Hello and welcome to the Vorthos cast. I'm Lorelai Weissel-Labrizzi. I'm Chris Delano. And I'm Carrie Thomas. All right, that's the end of the show. Thanks for joining us, everyone. <laughs> uh, really condensed show this week. Very proud of us for our efficiency. Uh, we're uh, speaking. Things are condensed, though. We, uh, we we have an entire set story to talk about today uh, because we got the entirety of Kamigawa Neon Dynasty's story this week, uh, and all all five episodes. They're all done. All done before previews. Uh, Turns out there were some pretty big surprises in these stories, uh, and uh, let's let's just not waste. Let's just go into this. What do you mean surprises? I saw it coming entirely. I knew exactly how this was going to end. I mean, I literally did, but I mean, say surprises for the benefit of all you normal people out there. Um, <laughs> no, I didn't see this one coming at all. This was a hard story to keep under wraps. Uh, I've been wanting to scream about this for a while. Uh, so, so who wants to take episode one? All right, I'll, I'll start us off. All right. All right. So we'll save the big reveal for when the big reveal happens, but we start off episode one. Uh, we met Kaito by reading his origin story, like back in December, but now we're getting like his origin origin story because in the first episode, Kaito is like a little kid. Uh, he likes stealing food from the Imperial palace. Yeah. And this is, uh, this is uh, about 10 years ago. Uh, and we're on Kamigawa if I need to like (laughs) um but we meet kaito he's a kid he's in the imperial palace in uh iganjo uh he likes stealing food a lot uh we meet him stealing some uh blue mochi buns which is very funny because they've got like little crescent moons on them which is a reference to mochi from kamigawa block to mochi the kami of the crescent moon the villain one of the villains from the original block yeah i thought that was very (laughs) cute and funny also, mochi's delicious. So yes, uh, we we love to eat mochi on this podcast, but not mochi the dog, who is an unofficial uh, mascot. Um, anyways, uh, he steals some mochi. He meets up with his uh, sister, and they're like Aiko. starting their class. Yeah, Aiko, uh, and they're starting their class for the day. And she seems a little withdrawn. And then their teacher comes in, and he says, "Hey, Aiko, you have chosen to go off and join." Uh, the people learning to be kami diplomats. And this like breaks Kaito's heart. So he uh, runs off and one day he ends up hiding in a garden. I mean, he's still living in the castle and stuff, but he runs away from that meeting. He's very upset. Um, He goes off and he ends up hiding in a garden and he meets through a screen, a young girl who's his age and they become friends. And it turns out that that is the emperor of Kamigawa. Um, Years later, uh, he meets a futurist in the garden. This is just like a little side thing that happens. This futurist is like a uh, moon folk who finds his way into this garden, probably against the rules. And he's like sending off a little origami drone, which was really neat. Uh, and Kaito runs into him and they strike up a conversation. And Kaito learns all about sort of like the futurists and getting technology in everyone's hands. And he tells this uh, moon folk that his parents are dead and Aiko's parents are dead and they're orphans and they have like a really good heart to heart, but it's a fun scene. Um, <laughs> I was like, just, uh, just the way you phrase his parents are dead and, and Aiko's parents are dead. I'm like, well, wow, that's weird that a brother's parents dead also means the sister's parents are dead. That's really tragic. That's double tragic. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I'm just trying to get through the story. Uh, <laughs> I know. I just, just, well, it's, it's uh, I mean, like, it's just like a really good scene. We find out that their parents died uh, because they didn't have access to technology that could have saved them from some radiation. Uh, and so sort of sets up this idea that like Kaito is dedicated to making sure that everyone has access to technology. 
Um, and so are the futurists. So like, that's a big deal. Uh, but then sometime later, uh, Kaito ends up having an argument with Lightpaws, who's like their Kitsune teacher. Um, Lightpaws is like this, she's like this very regal, very proper Kitsune who's like, I think she has like eight tails. Is that right? Or is it seven? I think she starts with seven. She's yeah, she starts with seven tails. Um, and so like she that's a with thing. N minus one tails, where N is the number of tails she ends the story with. Spoiler. Um, <laughs> but uh she's got like seven tails, she's very highly respected, and they have an argument, and so Kaito runs off and he can't sleep that night because of this argument where Light Paws is trying to like pressure him to become a samurai. But while he's laying in bed, alarm bells start going off. And so he jumps out of bed and uh, he senses or hears that like the emperor is in danger. So he runs off to the emperor's room, uh, traveling across rooftops because that's kind of his thing. Uh, And when he gets there, he finds the emperor is missing. And there's a man with a metal arm who's disturbing Kyodai, who's the kami uh, sort of that, you know, the kami of flesh and spirit or whatever you want to call her. Um, the one who represents the the Kami world, essentially. I believe her card is titled uh, Kyodai Soul of Kamigawa. Yes. She she is the one who has a sacred bond with the emperor to basically rule the plane. Yeah, but there's this, this man with a metal arm in the room. And so uh, Kaito chases after him and tries to like stop him, but can't do it because the man with the metal arm can control uh, technology and metal. Um, so he doesn't catch him, but when he returns to the room and all of like the Imperial court is in disarray because the emperor is missing, he's trying to explain what happened. And he talks about the man with the metal arm and they all think that it's a futurist or an upriser or something like that. Um, and they kind of ignore him. And so, uh, that's the end of episode one with Kaito having seen the emperor, well, presumed the emperor, some sort of kidnapped and, uh, chasing after the man with a metal arm. I wonder who that could be. I don't know. No, no, because uh, specifically the metal arm had five fingers. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, so it, I did think it was curious <laughs> that they did say the five thing, <laughs> five fingers. <laughs> God. Uh, so yeah, episode two picks up ten years later. Uh, Kaido is still hunting down that which was taken, and that which was taken being uh, the emperor. And it's just kind of been the entire empire on. AFK duties with the court ruling over everything. Um, but he ends up meeting up with his sister, Aiko, who is now grown to be an imperial commie diplomat. And they have a touching heart to heart, but also Kaito feels like she's trying to get him to turn on his uh, futurist associates that he has um, when she's telling him about Tameshi, who is... Um, apparently been seen with the man with the metal arm from 10 years ago who abducted the emperor. Um, Kaito, of course, doesn't believe this because why would his best friend lie to him? So Kaito goes out to spy on Tameshi, um, taking his sister's advice that he may be working with the man with the metal arm and betraying them all, um, and follows him to a dockside warehouse. Inside, he finds lab equipment, and he ends up um, seeing Jin Gitaxius. Jin Gitaxius, whichever way it's pronounced, honestly. <laughs> it's like GIF or JIF, you know. You just GIF or JIF. <laughs> um, and Jin is ordering the henchmen around him to blow up the warehouse. Kaido runs in, realizing that Tameshi is in there, um, 
tries to get some answers from Tameshi, but Tameshi has had his guts clawed at by <laughs> by Jin. So doesn't have many words for him, but does manage to get out the name Tezzeret. And that is where episode two ends. Poor Tameshi. Uh, I didn't really see him before story two, so I wasn't that attached to him. I was like, oh, okay, he's he's the dude's best friend. And it's like, no, he's gutted. He's done for. Well, Carrie, Tameshi is also in Kaito's origin stories, the two stories we got, which most people read. Most people, not <laughs> me, because I read, I read my assigned reading for this podcast <laughs> only. <laughs> We're not um, talking about those origin stories for like another week or two, so I also haven't read them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, I feel like I probably should have to get in the full Tameshi story, okay. but... Tameshi's yeah. barely in there. They meet when oh, they're okay. like 15, but... Wow. Uh, I still like Tameshi. I thought he was pretty cool, despite the evil. He um, does he, say sorry <laughs> for lying to him, which... Yeah. He I doesn't apologize is... for the Kami torture, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> yeah. There he is. Uh, he feels our quote, our cyberpunk trope quota of friend that's in too deep in the nefarious tech BS, and uh, well, he pays that price. He sure does. I'm, st- I'm starting to think this Jinkataxius is maybe not a good. See, I feel like it should be Jin Jin though, like Jin Jitaxius versus Jin Gitaxius. Did they say it on stream at all? Uh, I think they said Gitaxius. I don't know. I was in the car when this. But was it is. Happening. But it is. Jataxian probe. Mm. I don't think I've ever heard anybody say Gitaxian, right? Uh, well, it's so it's a it's a softer X. Jin uh, Jataxius. <laughs> How much worse can we make this? <laughs> <laughs> I, I would like to know that, like, this is this is up there with Giralf and Garolf, where I've heard it said both ways. So I just kind of. Uh, so assume. anyone who's watched Psych, we just need the Sean Spencer GF. I've heard it both ways, and then it's done. There you go. Gingitaceous. Um, Gotta make it a long A. <laughs> well, we're going to episode three instead, because <laughs> I don't want to make this worse. Uh, <laughs> so uh, episode three uh, begins with uh, Kaito's been on the hunt for Tezzeret. He has a lead, and he's doing what he does best as a spy and, and uh, espionage and infiltration and information gathering. And uh, he, it's led him into... Um, the the swamps and uh nizumi villages out in the wetlands uh and he's he's learned uh about uh a fire that mysteriously happened five years ago that involved a man with a metal arm um i don't know what that's all about it's about agents of artifice whoa that book is canon uh, that book yeah so i don't know where the whole agents of artifice isn't canon anymore thing came from that was the thing that just like went around the magic twitter vorthos community and i don't know why because i'm sitting here knowing the story and i'm like no actually it's going to be reified very closely in the upcoming set but obviously y'all didn't know that yet <laughs> um and so uh he so he learns about this fire in in this nizumi village uh from five years ago and uh there was a lone survivor a little Nizumi rat boy named Nashi. And he learns that Nashi had escaped the village and uh, was stowed somewhere else for safekeeping, and but might know something about this mysterious Tezzeret figure since he was there. And so he's like, I'm hunting down Nashi. So he goes around from Nizumi village to Nizumi village. And uh, basically everyone just tells him to F off. Because... <laughs> 
the Nizumi have a great community who are protecting this extremely traumatized child. Uh, but he does uh, use his uh, Tanuki drone. Uh, oh, whose name I just completely Hitomo. That that sounds right. Kimoto. Ah. Um. Anyway, so he spies on um an elderly Nizumi who's talking to some kami and um uh hears that you know um a drone is going to be sent out to warn um. Nashi's new family that Kaito's been looking for Nashi and of course uh and and that's over in uh Arawara by over I guess I mean up in Arawara because it's you know like a cloud city um ish thing uh and so we follow Kaito there and uh it turns out Nashi's mom uh, gets the drop on him and and Tamio enters the story um, Nashi is her adopted son and she very fiercely protects her family and is like super ready to erase, uh, Kaito's memory, uh, to turn him off the trail, except he mentions, uh, Tezzeret and she's like, oh boy, uh, we should have a chat. And so, uh, they go get tea and Nashi comes in. Can we talk about how great Nashi is, by the way? This teenage Nozumi boy with like multiple ear piercings and like a studded leather jacket. Kids punk as shit and like does his own little like engineering projects and tech work. Is like rebuilding a drone from scrap. Metal as hell. Love this kid. He's adorable and and I love him and I hope to God nothing bad ever happens to him. But anyways. Um... So Kaito and Tameo start info dumping about the things they know. And uh, Tameo mentions uh, how she met a- another Kamigawa planeswalker, the Wanderer, and had uh, learned about Tezzeret trying to experiment on Kyodai with uh, a device called the Reality Chip, uh, which is a set of blueprints that um, Kaito has seen in uh, Meshi's lab. And... Um, she also tells him that the Wanderer is the Emperor, and Kaido is like, excuse me, I've been looking for my friend on Kamigawa all this time, and it turns out she's been a, a gat-dang planeswalker, zooping around the multiverse, and has a history with Tezzeret too? Ah! And so, uh, he's like, hey, we need to have a plan, and we need to do something, and Tamiya's like, yeah, we should have a plan, and Kaido's like, well, maybe our plan should be to go over to this lab, and... Tamiya's like, well, that's not a plan. That's just being an aggressive, reckless little dumbass. And Kaito's like, yeah. And so he <laughs> runs up to himself. Um, he is, I really like Kaito. Um, so he goes to the lab to try and steal the reality chip, um, which uh, is is being used in these experiments on the Kami. Um, but oh no, he thinks he's about to get away and a jing gingitaceous is there and uh <laughs> and he's got ninja goons uh hired hired from from the uh, reckoners from the underworld in um Tawashi and uh we have a ninja fight and then uh it's going pretty well for Kaito it's going pretty well he's escaping um and then it turns out there's this big mech security mech and it's like oh actually i might die here uh and then bam just in the nick of time sword flashes does the anime thing where the sword cuts and we're still for a moment and then the two halves of the mech slide apart and crumble uh the wanderer is here to save the day and kaido's like my good pal the emperor and the wanderer's like i got you um and uh they escape with tamio and uh regroup yeah the uh you could say that the uh the wanderer shows up and she uh she blade banishes the dragon mech uh, 
Uh, she was she was on the art art for the card Blade Banish and Ikoria. I know um, I worked on that set. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, uh, so uh, <laughs> the Wanderer has showed up. She saved them. They Tamio cast an invisibility spell, and they managed to like run off and escape. Uh, and that's where episode four te- uh, starts off. Um, they ran to Aiganjo, and they get to the palace, and it's like. The, the Wanderer and Kaito get to, like, meet each other again for the first time in 10 years, and it's very, very good. Uh, it's clear that the Wanderer, like, she recognizes that Kaito has, like, searched for him all this time, and it's it's a beautiful little moment. Uh, but there's bigger problems, because uh, they, they use the reality chip to potentially stabilize the Wanderer's spark so that she can stay on Kamigawa, because, like, you know, it calls the problem with Gyodai in the first place. So now, like, wouldn't it, you know, fix it? Uh, which makes sense, sure. Um, so the Wanderer Spark is stabilized, but she has a vision of something around the machinery in Tameshi's lab, and she sees that Jingataxius has sent the uh, Uprisers, who are like red-aligned samurai from uh, Sokinzen. Is that mm-hmm. correct? Yep. Yeah. Uh, and they are. They heard that she's back because Jingataxius, uh, Jingataxius, however you want to say it. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, told them that she was, you know, back on plane or like, you know, has returned or whatever. And so the uprisers are like, hey, now's our time. We have to attack the palace and, you know, end the reign of the empire once and for all. Uh, so she's like freaking out because they have to defend the palace. But there's, you know, this whole problem with the lab where they're torturing Kami. Uh, and at that point, Iko and Lightpaul show up because they heard some nonsense going on in the emperor's room. And they're like, holy crap, our emperor is back. It's been 10 years. And they have like a, a nice little moment together where they're like, oh, you're here. Uh, and she acts like an emperor and she starts making up a plan. And she's like, all right, so we need to defend the palace. But the three of us are going to go save the Kami. And then like Light Paws and Ico are like, you've been gone for 10 years and you're about to leave again. And she's like, well, and they're, they all kind of just like, no, you need to stay here and help defend the palace while uh, the other two planeswalkers, Tamio and Kaito, will go be stealthy and blow up the lab. Uh, so Kaito and Tamio go to do that. They go to the lab. They find, hey, everything's still open from the day before. This is perfect. They can just walk right in and we'll save these kami. And uh, they get in there and the kami are all dead. And uh, Tezzeret is waiting for them. So Kaito and Tezra get to meet each other for the first time in 10 years. And uh, they Kaito gets his butt beat by Tezzeret because guess what? Everything they have is technology and Tezzeret can just control it. Uh, they fight. Jin Gataxius shows back up. Uh, they get captured. They're put on some operating tables. Things are about to be really bad when guess who saves their butt once again, but the Wanderer who planeswalks on plane. So she just sort of teleports from Iganjo into the lab and cuts Jinkataxius like almost in half uh, and breaks uh, Kaito and Tamio out of their constraints on the table and uh, saves them. She just, uh, she's got perfect timing, really. It truly was a teleports behind you moment. (laughs) (laughs) It was pretty neat because it's like she just pops in there and cuts Jinkataxius open, uh, leaving him just motionless on the floor. And he's dead for good. Yeah, goodbye uh, goodbye to him. Gone forever. All right. He's not gone forever. Um, <laughs> episode five uh, starts up with a, a notice that he is like knocked out on the floor. Uh, but the planeswalkers with, you know, the Wanderer's help managed to beat all of these, uh, you know, ninjas and capture Tezzeret again. Uh, 
Tamiyo like tries to like paralyze him with a scroll, but he gets out of it because there's so much technology around for him to control. So Kaito just like hits him in the head really hard and knocks him out. Uh, it is revealed that like Tezzeret can influence the reality chip because he like stuns the Wanderer while this is happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Tamiyo, uh, after they knock out Tezzeret, is like, hey, we need to get back to the palace. So why don't you give me the reality chip? I'll just put that in my hand. It's fine. Well, it'll help them hijack a drone to essentially fly their way back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's like a good idea, right? Tamiyo is going to use the reality chip to somehow like concentrate on this levitation spell and pick up an entire drone and just fly them to the palace. An entire mech, by the way. There you go. There are mech in in Kamigawa. It's pretty cool. Uh, But... You know, that can't go well because they're on it. They're almost at the palace. They can see the fighting happening when Tezzeret comes to his senses and uh, your pilot is piloting using technology. So Tezzeret freaks out Tamiyo, causes them to crash. Uh, Kaito and the Wanderer jump off and they're fine. And they're like, oh, I have to go. The Wanderer's like, I need to go save the palace. Kaito's like, I'm going to chase Tezzeret. Uh, he chases Tezzeret. He gets in like a fist fight with him, which is really funny because he realizes there's a moment like when when they're doing some some hero villain banter where Tezzeret's like, I kicked your ass 10 years ago. I'll kick your ass again. Like Tezzeret's literally sitting here <laughs> bragging about how he beat the shit out of a 10 year old. And I'm yeah. just like, it's so good. It's so good. And also like 15 minutes ago, he was having like crates smashed on top of his head. Yeah, to just knock him out. <laughs> like, yeah, you're not in the position to brag. I just he's just, but he's just so tesserate about it. It's, I really love him as a character. My my favorite thing is he does all that. It's so tesserate. And then Kaito's like, "Oh, I know how to beat you. I'm just gonna punch you." <laughs> like, he just knocks tesserate around and like punches him in the face enough until like finally at the last minute, uh, Iko from the ground who sees this going on, throws up a dagger and it stabs Tezzeret in the leg so that Kaito's like, aha, I've defeated you. And then uh, things go really bad. Um, Tamiyo shows up to put Tezzeret under a paralyzation spell and uh, Tezzeret sees that the reality chip is on Tamiyo and uses it to like stun her and like affect her ability to do her story magic long enough for him to grab her and pull her through a planar portal because uh, Tezzeret still got the uh, planar bridge installed in his, you know, operating system. So uh, he just, I guess, you know, that would be hardware and not firmware or software, but. Uh, it's like a VPN. <laughs> he uh, he grabs Tamiyo and jumps through a portal. Uh, and Kaito is now like absolutely, you know, terrified, but also uh, he's got to help out with what's going on right now in Kamigawa. So he, he, uh, ends the fight that the Emperor is, like, solidly winning with the leader of the Uprisers. Uh, Emperor is, like, beating her, her butt. It's it's not very close. Well, but the but, one uh, doesn't want to kill her. Yeah. Is the thing. She really doesn't want to kill her because, like, it's just not the right thing to do. But, yeah, also, but, Ky- yeah. but also, Kyodai is like, man, but you should kill her, though. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was pretty funny. I was like, it, it makes a lot of sense to kill her. Like, I think the Wanderer is getting close to doing it, but Kaito just throws a rock at her head. And he just shows up and just <laughs> yeets a rock at her skull and knocks her out. And it's great. <laughs> it's so funny because you have like this guy who's got like a drone attached to him at all times. He's like super into technology and realizes like 
the best way to solve his problems is just to hit people in the head with big heavy things. Well, that's what happens when you're when you got telekinesis. Uh, yeah, it's it just made me think of like you know uh, the old thing where it's like you know the moment you spend a lot of time working in tech, like the most smart device you want in your house is a printer, and you keep a loaded gun next to it at all times. <laughs> <laughs> like I feel like Kaito is moving in that direction of like maybe I don't want any technology around me anymore. Let's just and let's just Kaito, use rocks. Kanto, uh, Kanto, Kaito and Prim story arc when. <laughs> Oh my god. Um, anyways, uh, only if we also get a uh, uh, Duretti and, and Cap storyline. Um, <laughs> Isn't that like already his storyline? Uh, uh, for for all one story we have of him, yeah. Um, uh. So uh, he ends the fight. Uh, they take this leader of the Uprisers uh, into custody and uh, the Emperor is like, I can't stay here. My spark is not stable anymore. Uh, let's quickly solve some problems. And she officially promotes Light Paws to be the regent of Kamigawa. Uh, then the Wanderer disappears. Um, and this is where Light Paws gets another tail. Yes, that is why Light Paws now has eight tails, uh, which is not quite eight and a half, but I guess she's getting there. Um, but she is now the uh, regent of Kamigawa, which solves some of the problems with the power imbalances going on. Uh, so that's fixed. Uh, uh, Aiko gets a promotion and is now like senior advisor. Fun. Uh, and Kaito goes and meets up with her and is like, hey, I promised I would never leave again without saying goodbye. But I've got to go because my friend got kidnapped uh, and I need to find her. So Kaito goes off and uh, lets Tamiyo's family know what happened. And uh, Planes walks out to go find his missing moonfolk friend. And that's the that's the end of the story. That's the end of the story. Nice. There's also an epilogue. There's a there's there's a very important epilogue to the story. A happy one though, right? Mm, how do you feel about Moonfolk and Phyrexia? Oh, I love Phyrexia. All will be one and all that stuff. Yeah. How do you feel about Phyrexianized Moonfolk? Uh, I think that's metal as hell. How do you feel about a planeswalker that's a Phyrexian? How do you feel about Belb 2.0? <laughs> <laughs> Did you say Belb? Yes. Yeah. This is Did a I pronounce Belby? Belby? I I have no idea. I don't know either. Belby <laughs> Gatexia. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So epilogue. We are on presumably New Phyrexia with Jinkataxius uh completing a Phyrexianized Tamio, because the the research he did with the Kami and the reality chip on Kamigawa, understanding the nature of uh, souls and physicality, uh, has allowed him to create a Phyrexian that maintains its soul and thus its Planeswalker spark. And Tamio rises as the first Phyrexian Planeswalker in the history of the multiverse. Uh, and then also immediately is like, hey, I don't think we should trust Ezra. And and Jin is like, nah, he's fine. He's a good boy. But also you should never trust Tezzeret. Um, <laughs> and uh, Tamiyo's like, yeah, go and protect, you know, gather stories, use knowledge to protect my family. You know, the Phyrexians. Uh, and uh, yeah, she's, she's evil now. It's a fun way to boil down that uh, incredibly like, surprising and emotional moment for a lot of people is like yeah now she's evil oh, so, yeah. look i've known her, I, 
my initial shock from this decision is months old by now. So I have, you know, I've sat with the reality of, of this change. So, you know, um, it doesn't shock me anymore. Well, uh, I, for one, am very excited that the first Phyrexian Planeswalker is not Tezzeret. Get wrecked, nerd. I mean, do we really think it would be him? Like, the dude's already lost so much by being indebted to one other person. So, like, like he's he, he's also inoculated against the glistening oil, so he's actually probably harder to complete. Yeah, but it's also, like, I don't know. I, like, like that's, like, hand-waving, but also, like, you know, whatever. I, I personally just find it very funny because, like, of course he would not be. Like, I could imagine him, like, showing up to a median with uh, Jin Jetatius, who, uh, tells him, like, ooh, we're going to make a Planeswalker, but Phyrexian. And Tezzeret's like, oh, oh, you are? Who do you have in mind, wink, wink? And then Jin Jatesh is just like, not you. Literally anyone other than you. Piece of shit, get out of here. Well, and so, and that's, but also, like, I don't think Tezzeret is going to be, like, super excited for something like that anyway. Like, he's he's always the bridesmaid and never the bride, but he also never likes the bride. Like, he didn't like serving Bolas. He served Bolas, like, for, like, like he, yeah, he got the planar bridge installed and it was like, hey, this is really good for me. And then, like, the moment he got his ass kicked, it was like, oh, yeah, I don't care. I'll just run away. Go kick my boss's ass, please. Thank you. You're actually <laughs> doing me a favor, heroes. Um, and uh, so, like, he's he's not a guy that gets, like, too close to his employers. Um, he has a healthy oh. work-life balance. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, I, yeah. I have no idea where this is going, but I'm very, very excited because this is a this is a big deal for the story. This is not like a, a, a like side little, you know, story like some of the ones we've had in the past couple of years. This is like a big deal moving forward. Uh, Firex and Tamiyo is the hardest secret I've had to keep in a little over three years working for Watsi. Uh, well, working on some projects contractor. But uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, this is this is a big set that does some big things. I don't get how he planeswalked with the jellyfish. Oh, it wasn't a creature when he did. It was, uh, it was attached. It was attached. Yeah. But wait, Canada equip planeswalkers. Don't worry about it. This seems. I'm I'm logging on the blog a tog and I've got a five thousand word rant in store. Uh, we didn't. You didn't notice it, but among the uprisers was actually Sarkan, who used his plus one to turn oh, all no! of the planeswalkers into dragons. <laughs> And nobody noticed. Oh, God. Yeah, but no, this is this is probably the biggest story moment since the last time Phyrexia showed up. Um, it is it is the entire approach to this releasing the story early because you knew that there was going to be a major thing coming. Um, good. Like, it's oh, been yeah. well received. Obviously, people could have had a little more time in between the physical cards being previewed and um, the story being published. And I think yeah, was- I, the, the big thing I've seen is even, even just like a day, if the story had ended yesterday and then the preview started today uh, is one of the suggestions that I saw from people that I think would, would give the story a little more room to breathe and people to not like, Hey, I woke up and saw the Tamiyo card on Twitter. Yes. And, and, and that was my order of operations. I saw right. it on Twitter and then I was like, Oh no. And then read the story. So yeah, but overall, like, I don't know. 
you know, I flip-flop on these things where I'm like, oh, no, the story should be more filled out and the story should be more compressed or they need to figure out ways for people to pay attention to the story more. Maybe the solution is just dumping it all at once. And at that point, maybe I'm just saying make ebooks. Like, I don't... <laughs> I genuinely... I, like, it just feels... Like, they've done... They did well with uh, our Innistrad visit, our 3.0 with those two sets. Mm-hmm. And... They did well with call time, and they did well with this set. And it's just like maybe, maybe this is the approach that people need to be able to be hype about the story. But at the same time, maybe you get a story that's not that doesn't have a big twist at the ending, or that doesn't have um, as much play into it. Where, like, if Ikoria was web fiction and was published across five days. I don't think people would be chatting about it in the same way this one that was like this one is clearly different because of Phyrexia's influence on it. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's just. I mean, I was, maybe I we're like, all wrong. I like the characters in the story better. Um, the, like not not a slight on the quality of story we got in Akoria, but Luca not the most exciting protagonist uh, personally. Yeah. Um, I think having more heroic characters that are fun and enjoyable and are identifiable uh, carries that kind of story better than the villain origin story. Not that like magic can't do villain origin stories, but um, you know, uh, having, having this set story largely feature charismatic and uh, clever, but brash and arrogant Kaito, who's always looking for snacks. Like Kaito's just an outstanding main character for this story, um, yes. an outstanding personality to carry something like this. Um, I've I've watched a lot of people really really enjoy Kaito as a person, which I'm really happy. I'm glad people love this character. I think he's 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 a good boy uh, in a way that like you know Gideon was not a good boy. Uh, being a blue black character, he's, Kaito's just very different and very different perspectives than everybody else, and I appreciate that about him. I I think that uh, Kaito served as an excellent uh what would you call it a narrator who's like ignorant of a lot of like the the meta around the story so like we get to learn about Jin Kataxius through Kaito's eyes who is meeting him for the first time even though we already know him same thing with Tezzeret we get to like experience him again for the first time and I'll say we get to experience Jin Kataxius again for the first time but also we haven't like I, I get I get like the three of us experienced in Kataxius the first time ten years ago. In like five pages of a webcomic. Yeah, it's not much. A lot of magic players uh, and story fans have not experienced Jin Kataxius before. So like having Kaito be in that, hey, I'm a newer planeswalker and am not like worldly uh, in my knowledge of the workings between the planes um, makes him a good introductory perspective that kind of aligns with a lot of what people are reading now with regards to Phyrexia. I would have many, many more words to say about that if we were willing to contrast Kaito and the perspective he gave against, let's say, Teo Verata, who right. might not have been my favorite and might not have been um, as central to the story that was being told as they 
intended it to be. Like, I think Kaito struck that balance of, like, mm. he is still the main character. These events are happening around him versus Teo just kind of suffered from being, <sighs> happening to be the main character in an overwhelmingly large story that could not possibly um, take his perspective at all times. Yeah, and like the story of war, like there's just a vast difference between a set like this, which has like, hey, a really good, you know, good core dynamics between its characters in general and a, a relatively small cast and good surprises with implications at the end versus something like a War of the Spark as this like, hey, this is the end of our big four and a half year marquee storytelling arc. Uh, and now we're going to build that around the character who's going to explain what planeswalking is to you. And that's, th those are very different dynamics Yeah, where, uh, you know, we've, we've talked plenty about, Te so Teo also a good boy though, by the way. Yeah. Uh, but like, like I love Teo. He just, the war of the spark novel exists. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was very unfortunate for him that his, his introduction to magic was, uh, a pretty, unenthusiastically received novel to put it kindly uh, i i liked a lot of how he existed in that novel i think he had a great arc in that novel um i love him as a character i got to write him again last year like he's great um really excited for him to hopefully one day return and and get to see some of the growth he's gone through but like uh i think i think kaito exists in that kind of <sighs> It's that Kaito isn't doing the work of introducing us to magic as a brand. It's mm -hmm. that he's introducing us to a world that mm -hmm. even old time players haven't seen in like 19 years. Um, 19 years, 18 years. Um, Kamigawa's 18. Champions of I Kamigawa came out 18, 18 years ago. That's older am... than me. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just gotta fire off weird shit like that. I, I love when people are like, post a video game from the year you're born, and or like post the movie that was first in theater, number one in theaters when the day you were born, and just like picking something like so absurdly recent that it couldn't possibly be true. Look, that stuff even gets me nowadays. Pikmin is a 20 year old franchise, folks. Pikmin. <laughs> yeah. 20 mm. years of Pikmin. Well, I, uh, on the, the notion of things being very old, part of what I think succeeds with this story is that we do get a lot of uh, very old characters also. Like, Tezzeret has been around for a long time, and we haven't mm -hmm. seen him in a story since, like, Return of the Spark. Or not War, Return, War of the Spark, <laughs> excuse me. Yeah. Not Return of the Jedi, uh, which was also not very well received. Um, but... It's not War of the Spark, uh, and we haven't seen him since then, I think. Has uh, he correct. Uh, yeah. we, we also did only very briefly see him in War of the Spark. He hasn't played like a major story, uh, hasn't hasn't played a major role in a story since really Kaladesh. Yeah, which was a long time ago at this point. Yeah, uh, like five years. Yeah. So like we haven't had Tezzeret in a story. Uh, we haven't really had Tamio in a story since mm -hmm. Eldritch Moon. Mm -hmm. um, so which was also like six years, like six or seven years ago. Yeah, yeah, uh, right before Kaladesh. Funny enough. Um, so like we haven't had these characters in such a long time, and so it's mm -hmm. like we get to see them and meet them again. Uh, and then we have these new characters like Kaito and the Wanderer, who is making her first real appearance and is wonderful. Uh, I love the Wanderer. Yeah. I love her and Kaito. I thought that. Uh, their interactions with each other were fantastic and I loved it. Um, I thought that 
it was just really cool to have that mix of like, here are these like, you know, characters who haven't been seen in like five or six years uh, mixed with a character who hasn't been seen in like over 10 years now mixed with a plane that hasn't been seen in 18. It's like, mm-hmm. it's all coming together, folks. We're bringing it all in. This is Magic the Gathering and also it's cyberpunk. I mean, thematically appropriate, this set is built around confluence of the old and the new uh, and the way those interact. Um, and so uh, I, I guess appropriate for it to be uh, dripping with uh, that in a meta capacity as well. Uh, by the way, I don't think we mentioned anywhere. Uh, the author of all these stories is uh, Akemi Don Bowman. Uh, who I think uh, did a wonderful job, uh, especially with the characterizations and um, the dialogue is in in a lot of these stories is really really tight. Kaito is uh, his dialogue in these stories is snappy in a way that I wish I had figured out how to do earlier when I was working on him for Arena, uh, which I'll talk about on Twitter in a couple of weeks. But um, uh, I was really happy with the very distinct voices that all the characters have to, uh, and love the way Jinkataxia speaks really really dryly and clinically. Someone someone put on Twitter that he talks like Ben Shapiro, and it's been stuck <laughs> in my head. It's been stuck in my head ever uh, since, and it's just tormenting me. Anytime Jinkataxius talks, I hear Ben Shapiro's voice. Oh, I hate that. It's, it's awful. Can, can I, speak, speaking character, can I just say, I'm so glad in War of the Spark we did not give the Wanderer like a Texan accent in Arena. <laughs> Was that a consideration? Oh yeah. So like she she was she was created as kind of the the man with no name archetype. You know, Clint Eastwood's character in The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, and a couple of other spaghetti westerns is this wandering lone vigilante cowboy type uh, archetype. There's also a samurai archetype because uh, Kurosawa was just making westerns, but with samurai uh, set in the exact same time period, and so you have to show to uh, so you have Toshiro Mifune over in Japan doing the same stuff that Clint Eastwood is doing in the spaghetti westerns. And and the confluence of those that kind of uh, narrative archetype is the Wanderer, and that's how she existed in War of the Spark. Um, at the time, I didn't you know didn't know she was going to be Emperor of Kamigawa, and so in my head, I was like, it would be cool to have like, hey, there's a lot of unique things we can do with this character. Or like, what if we like do an homage to uh, um, to these spaghetti westerns and give her the, this kind of like Texan accent and make her a little cowboyish that way. Uh, which, you know, we, we ended up not doing anyway. It didn't really work. Um, but, Lordy, I'm glad we didn't, because that would be really awkward if we find us <laughs> the, the Emperor of Kamigawa later. Um, uh, yeah. I'm excited I got to write her again, though. She's, she's we, fun. We did get to see the Wanderer's face. Oh, yeah. yeah! Which is another big thing. Uh, we, 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 see, we see her face. Uh, we basically know who she is now. Uh, she is the Emperor of Kamigawa, and she's her own person, which has been true the whole time. She was never, ever going to be some other known character. Like, who would look at a new character in a magic story, something like the Wanderer, or I don't know, like the Raven Man, and just assume it's an older character from magic's lore past brought back in a cryptic way like that just doesn't who would think that you know, um if you hold up the art of the wanderer that we got right next to the art of Lim duel they're actually oh, like no. almost identical faces <laughs> i'm just saying see but like that has kind of always bugged me because at least like i don't know the raven man has some connections to planes that we've been before and isn't 
a planeswalker as far as we know ignoring any future comic titles um but like they don't spark random legendary characters as much as like fans seem to believe they're like oh it's gonna be emerkel or it's gonna be kyodai and it's like i i think kyodai was probably or um was it no michiko kanda was the one that they thought it could be and it's like i guess but it's also like magic historically has not done that like karn is kind of the only real one that was done after but like the he's, fact. he sparked in the story yes like it, it's it's not that like oh karn existed in the story as a legendary creature and then he showed but up as it, a planeswalker yes and we fill in the spark story later that's not really but it's like the legendary creature to legendary planeswalker pipeline is yeah. not a very common one and it's yeah. also not a one that they used for like surprise effect very often <laughs> it's mostly used like like it was with samut where it's like hey you're a creature in one set and a planeswalker in the next set because you're sparking in the story um uh although although like the 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 michigo kanda theories were interesting because they were rooted a lot in what we knew about kamangawa at the time which the, basically one of the only major cosmological touchstones we had was uh the Sisters of Spirit and Flesh manifesting outside of the plane to prevent Lashrak and Bolas from entering it during Future Sight, 62-ish years ago in story. Uh, and uh, it was never mentioned. Uh, like, like we, knew, we knew Kyodai was half of that, and Michigo was the other half of that in the Kamigawa stories, uh, the, the original novels. Um, but we never knew what happened after that. Uh, so, and we're never told it's Michigo in, in that moment in Future Sight. So people assumed it was her and Kyo died this whole time. And so that if you hold that to be true and the fact that they can manifest outside the plane, then maybe she's a planeswalker. And like, you can get there. Um, but also that's just not what it was. <laughs> um, and we now know that... Um, the Sisters of Flesh and Spirit was a thing that existed for a time. Michigo posthumously was recognized as an emperor, and now Kyodai has this connection with whoever the emperor is at the time as an ongoing, rotating metaphysical phenomenon, similar to what we had at the end of the original block, uh, which I think is a great way to interpret that the way that event happened and, you know, twelve hundred taking it 1,200 years later. I know we're like 50 minutes into this episode, but in case you have not read it yet, there are a series of 10 very small fiction stories about the history of Kamigawa that we are pulling a lot of this information from. So, like, we know about Michiko Kanda because they wrote, like, a very, like, you know, Theros Beyond Death blurb size uh, story telling us what happened. Um, and we got 10 of those. We got 10 Theros Beyond Death story blurbs uh, telling us what happened on Kamigawa from... 1200 years ago to today they're great we'll probably talk about them in a little more detail when we do flavor jones overall thoughts uh i thought the story was really good and i loved it and i liked that it came out over the course of like four days but it was a lot of reading to do in four days um i'm really excited now for the side stories because uh we are getting some more we got the origin stories for kaito and we're getting confirm more i I haven't been Uh, paying attention I don't know if it was intentional, but Roy Graham, one of the uh, you know narrative people at Wizards, posted that uh, they wrote short stories for the Commander uh, Legends. Oh, so oh that, yeah, that makes yeah. sense. They, so they we'll be getting those two at least. Uh, so we'll have those to talk about, but also like 
I love the story and I loved getting to see what we did of Kamigawa, but the story was about, you know, Jin Kataxius and Kaito and the Wanderer. And I'm like, I want some samurai. I want some more ninja stories. I want to know what the Reckoners are doing. Like, I want more of those side stories. So hopefully we'll get a little bit more of that. I'm hoping we at least get like a Planeswalker's Guide article at some point. Um, Those have been very good to have back. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I wasn't one of the people that was demanding a return to Kamigawa on the basis of the lore and the world building was good, even if the mechanical side of things sucked. So I don't know what their headspace is. I'm interested to see what exactly those people say about this return, especially if there's more side stories to come out. Um, Cause like the original Kamigawa is just like a, a glossary of names, <laughs> a whole bunch of vignettes, and then the three novels. And it's like, I don't know if it was just like generally people reminiscing for a nostalgic time in Kamigawa (laughs) or thinking that they understood the world building when they didn't really or thinking they understood the story, even though they didn't really read the stories at all. When when he said a glossary of names, I thought that was a joking reference to the novels. Oh, no, no, no. There was literally like, three, no, I, I think it was like three articles per set that was just like, here's the glossary of names and terminology that we use. Uh, it was like, yeah. it was, uh, Seki pronunciations guide. Uh, there you was, go. It yeah. was the feature they did for pronunciation of magic name. Yeah, no. Um, uh, but like, it wasn't, it wasn't that abnormally deep in comparison to other worlds. Like maybe at the time, cause Ravnica was not severely deep and Buridan kind of got nothing the first time around aside from Ravnica the novels. Ravnica didn't exist when Kamigawa came out the first time. Yeah, I mean, like sets that came out around the same time that weren't Dominaria, but yeah, oh, it's does, just like... Does Dominaria have deep lore? Uh, I, I, I at least has that one Dominaria set. I think Homelands takes... No. There's <laughs> a mountain range. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's... I, I don't know what those people were pining for all these years, but um, maybe they didn't get it. Maybe they I'm got one it. of the people who looked at original Kamigawa block and said, this world is bad and these cards are bad. I don't understand why people want to go back. Um, and I, th- I think it's telling that this set was originally designed as a different Japanese set and only became Kamigawa later. Um, that's interesting to me. Like, didn't become Kamigawa until like halfway through vision design or something, whatever it was. Um, and but, uh, you know, we're back, though. So, yeah. Now it's a thing, and I was I did a concern when I first heard that we were going back, and I was like, mm, "You sure this is the right choice?" And then I got the world guide, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is really cool!" I think um, I'll probably talk more about the world building and flavor gems, but I think the world building for this for this set is very cool, and I'll obviously talk about it more if we get more like if we get like a planeswalker's guide, and I can say things that are actually public. Um, I hope to because I think this world does a lot of really cool things. Um, it's the high expectation of having sweep cards that you know <laughs> just can't be met. Oh my god, they did no, bring back like, channel. <laughs> like, <that's, laughs> that was they a did shot. bring back channel's a cool mechanic. Like, yeah, uh, we'll get to this later. <laughs> um, but um, like this also being a set that was developed side by side with um, cultural consultants is big and important too. Um, which is like a, a future episode. I would love to have a larger conversation about this world building. Um, but uh, that's not going to be today. Um, my personal opinion is that I enjoyed the story. 
Um, it is. Um, I understand uh, your concern, Chris, that this is this story was a lot more magic multiverse meta mm-hmm. than local, um, which happens uh, from time to time. Um, but also, we've had a lot of more localish stories recently, so you know it happens. Uh, things ebb and flow. Um, oh, I am ecstatic that we're finally getting a story that like centers us clearly in a plot direction. Where, oh, what direction like, is that? Uh, towards this place called Newphorexia. Like, I've never heard of it before. <laughs> it's like, uh, like I, I think I was saying this earlier before we were recording, but like we finally are at a point now where it's like every set that comes out until we get into this Phyrexian arc is going to be examined through the uh, the lens of like, all right, how's Phyrexia involved in this? Uh, I'm pretty sure the Brothers' War will probably include a little bit of Phyrexia, um, even if it's not relevant to the modern day. There's Phyrexians uh, in the novel, which is all I can say. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's like... uh, We'll see where this year goes. I know where it's going. I'm excited for everyone to see it. Where we're, yeah. Well, we'll get there when we get there. But uh, yeah, it, it. You know, if I had a nickel for every time a Praetor showed up on another plane, I'd have two nickels, which isn't a lot. But it's weird that it's happened twice. Uh, <laughs> uh, which, which I think might just be uh, where where we end this episode and and go into some final thoughts. Um, my final thought is that uh, I just I don't know what book Boba Fett's doing, folks. I don't know what the show's doing. It's all over the place. This 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 is the this is Dave Filoni's limit. Uh, <laughs> apparently, is is making the Boba Fett show. This shows a. There's only one episode left. I don't. Ugh. It's just like weird. They're taking like Boba Fett, one of the weirdliest beloved Star Wars characters of all time, and making a really mediocre show about him. And then James Gunn is over on HBO Max with DC taking like bottom of the dumpster characters like Peacemaker <laughs> and making a, I'm sorry, a fucking fantastic show. If you have HBO Max and like superheroes, go watch Peacemaker. Show's so good. It's so fun. James Gunn is just like crushing it with DC recently. But that's um, the that's the whole trade-off is they don't get to have a coherent universe ever, whereas Star Wars gets to pretend that it does. Don't get me started about the fact that they're finally making a live-action Flash movie and the story they chose to do for it is Flashpoint. I'm sorry, but, but Carrie, were you were you just suggesting that Star Wars has a coherent universe? Because I'd like to remind you of somehow Palpatine returned. It attempts to. <laughs> okay, because... In comparison, I'll say. <laughs> Nothing will ever feel like more of a betrayal than seeing the words, somehow Palpatine returned, scroll across the screen. <laughs> From that uh, moment on, I was just ready to leave that theater. Uh, God, that movie. Eddie, that's enough of my final thoughts. Chris, final thoughts. Uh, my final thought is that if you're listening to this the day it releases, we have a preview coming out tomorrow. So uh, thanks oh, for listening to the whole episode. I forgot about that. Haha. Well, that, we have to record something else after this, huh? Um, we have a, a preview that is coming out tomorrow. Uh, it's going to be short. Listen to it. It'll... Uh, Drop on uh, the same SoundCloud page, and we'll tweet about it. And uh, yeah, that's uh, that's exciting. We didn't uh, we didn't get one for Crimson Val, but we've got one for Kamigawa. Pre preview card courtesy was of the coast because we mentioned a preview card, so we have to put the disclaimer. Otherwise, the lawyers pull the trigger through the window. Um, <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready to go. <laughs> uh, Carrie, final thoughts. Uh, my final thoughts are: I've been reading a darker shade of magic, which is really good it's like it's like magic it is like planeswalkers but in a more limited and interesting way and it's also a good story which differentiates it from 
a lot of magic novels. <laughs> so uh, I want you to know that I'm looking at my bookshelf right now, and I'm being honest about this. A Darker Shade of Magic is sitting right next to my copy of War of the Spark Ravnica. Have you it read it? Literally, I started it. I haven't finished it. It is did, It is amazing. I so. did read War of the Spark Ravnica. Oh, I don't. wish I could switch those, <laughs> switch those in your memory. <laughs> I wish I had read all of A Darker Shade of Magic and just kind of skimmed War of the Spark Ravnica. Anyways, continue. No, it's just a good fantasy adventure story and has eerily similar... Uh, functioning magic stuff to Magic the Gathering, but in its own unique system. Um, so yeah, I recommend that. It's entertaining. Oh, its own unique system? You mean like they spell mana with two N's? No, like they <laughs> use they use a lot of blood for their magic, but also oh, they have like five elements of magic. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, can't unsee that. And I tear the page out and crumple it and I say, I hate cycles and then stomp it and crush <laughs> it to my foot. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right uh, well um uh one thing i will note uh as as we're heading into the end here uh if you liked uh the way this story was structured uh you know i published before previews as web fiction uh or if you didn't like it whatever reaction you have to that structure let wizards of the coast know in one of their social media accounts or through any, whatever feedback channels exist if they do a survey at some point maybe that's a comment you put on there feedback is great feedback is how these things get tailored and iterated to be better um, there have been a lot of changes to the way Magic Story has pre been presented over the last couple of years. A lot of that has been done in response to feedback. So feedback is important, and you should definitely give it uh, when you have an opportunity, um, especially with a specifically new thing like this. Uh, that's always great. Uh, and also, if you have strong opinions about Kamigawa's story, whether you loved it and want to find more people to talk about, to who loved it, or whether you are horrified at the revelation that Tamiyo is now on the quote-unquote wrong side of multiversal allegiances, even though you're wrong, Phyrexia is great, uh, and, and you want to talk to other people who are maybe frustrated about the greasy, oily, metal-y things happening, we have a bunch of those too for you to talk to uh, over on our Discord server. Uh, if you head over to patreon.com slash the Vorthos cast, everyone who supports us gets access to that Discord community where Vorthoses from around the world are just... There were so many messages on our server yeah. today. Um, I could Half not of those keep were up. mine. <laughs> I could not keep up with all of them. Uh, we've had very lively discussions about basically every aspect of the story and the previews we got today. And we're, you know, we're heading into preview season, uh, which is one of the more active times in our community. So if you're a Vorthos and you want a place to be Vorthosy with other Vorthoses, we'd love to have you. Um, so uh, thank you everyone for listening. This has been the Vorthos cast. This is where we record a uh, after credit scene wherein uh, we reveal that Commodore Guff has also been Phyrexianized. Oh, no.